1: Hey, it's Devin. Before we get started, I want to get your help with an episode that we're working on, and we actually need your voice. We need you to call this number, 415-553-2273, and tell us something that happened in the Bay Area in 2018 that changed the way you're going to be living in 2019. For example, are you becoming more politically active? If so, how? Or did you have to change your commute? If so, why? Why? please feel free to get really creative with these. And call us at 415-553-2273. Thanks. So I just got out of BART at 16th and Mission, and, and it's kind of crazy to think that in one of the neighborhoods that's going through the most change and that's getting the most attention, that we still can't figure out who killed Lindsay McCollum and Eddie Tate. Like
2: like this, this flood of emotion and this wave of grief that just knocks me to the ground.
0: I can't help but feel that if these people weren't homeless, that we'd be hearing a lot more about it.
1: Often, people who are suffering the most are also victims of crime. It's been two years this week since a double killing in San Francisco's Mission District. And the mother of one of the victims is still looking for answers. She reached out to one of our reporters who was searching for answers himself. I'm Devin Katayama, welcome to The Bay.
0: So I started following this story right when it happened, really.
1: Peter Arcuni is a reporter with KQED.
0: This happened in December of 2016.
2: Well, breaking news to tell you about in San Francisco tonight. Police are in the mission right now investigating a deadly double shooting. Two people shot and killed, according to San Francisco police, a man and a woman. This is on 16th Street near South Van Ness.
0: And I saw reports in the San Francisco Chronicle and other media outlets, news outlets, about this murder of two homeless people. Now, this is right near an encampment of tents along the sidewalk.
2: Friends tell us one of the victims was a homeless man named Tennessee. Basically what I read was
0: was a week before Christmas, two homeless people, they were described as a couple living in a box on 16th and Shotwell were murdered. They were shot at close range um, and died shortly thereafter in you know on the street in San
1: Francisco. Why did you start following this story?
0: You know, it just struck me as, okay, we have we have a murder here. Like, something happened, and I, you know, I was expecting, okay, when's the update going to come? When, when are we going to find out if they caught somebody or had a suspect or somebody's going on
1: trial? And that never came. There, there are murders that happen all the time and murders of people who are living on the streets, homeless people. Why this case? I think it jumped out at me because...
0: Of what I some of the reports I've been reading. So the man who was shot, his name was Eddie Tate. He was known as Tennessee. Everybody called him Tennessee.
2: KPI X5's Wilson Walker spoke to Tennessee's friends who say that they're gonna remember him for his ingenuity and ability to make the best of his situation.
0: And he was really well known in the homeless community in San Francisco. I started, you know, digging around a little bit. Uh, he, he, was, he was in a bunch of articles, but he was sort of famous for having this, um, this box, this makeshift shanty that he had built, and he even had a generator in it. It had a flat-screen TV in oh, it wow. and yeah. video games. While that generator-powered mobile shed became a bit of a sensation, his neighbors on the street were quick to tell us that the upbeat, resourceful character you saw on TV was very much the real thing. And he'd been on, this, on and off the streets for many years as being somebody that could fix anything, uh, being somebody who was larger than life. I talked to a woman who said she remembers seeing him rollerblading through the streets. Um, and, you know, if she was in a pinch, he would be someone that she would turn to.
1: And that, that area of 16th and Shotwell, there's a lot of people who live on the streets in that area. And I can tell there's a lot of people who know each other who live on the streets there, too.
0: Yeah, I've, I've covered homeless issues on and off for about three years now, and the community is very tight-knit. Um, and, and this man, Tennessee Tate, uh, was sort of a pillar of that homeless community. You know, I just wondered, you know, you know, what his life was like. The second thing that struck me was the person that he was murdered with, who was, who was reportedly living with him in his box on the corner of 16th and Shotwell, was a young woman by the name of Lindsay McCollum. And I couldn't really find much information out about her. Um, Eddie Tate was 51. Lindsay McCollum was 27 at the time that they passed. And it became apparent to me that Eddie had spent years and years and years in the street, and Lindsay, not so much. She was relatively new. I learned later, she was on the street three years on and off whereas Eddie Tate had been there much longer. So not a lot was known about this young woman, and I just kind of wanted to know more. So so we know they were shot. We know they were killed. There have been some rumors about why, but but, no, but nothing, nothing really clear has really ever come to focus. Um, there were some accounts that two men were seen running away, but those were just accounts. Nothing concrete. Four months go by, you know, after I first heard about this, and I decided, hey, why not just take a shot in the dark and see what I can find out? So I sent a public records request to the San Francisco Police Department. And I used a service called MuckRock, which is a tool for journalists and other people trying to get access to open records. And so everything you submit on there is public. So the public could see, you know, who are submitting requests and what they are and what gets hit back. So that was in April of 2017. And, you know, after doing some interviews with people on the streets and people that knew Eddie Tate, you know, I just figured, OK, this is, this is what I can get for now. And I, I let it lie. You know, I just thought, you know, I'll keep following it, you know, but you know, I'm not coming up with anything here. Over a year goes by and I get an email out of the blue. And what I later found out was that Lindsay's mom was trying
1: to get in touch with me.
0: Okay, Hello? That, that was the recording. You should be able to hear me
2: well now. Okay, yep. <clears throat> I can. Okay.
1: This is Carrie McCollum, Lindsay's mom. And Lindsay's mom was trying to get in touch with you because she saw the open records request that you filed. A relative
0: of hers um, was poking around and said, hey, this this guy, this reporter is looking into the case. And so so Carrie, Lindsay's mom, reached out. Um, let me know if you're comfortable with this, but... Um... It's sort of to dive right in. I mean, none of this is easy to talk about. Basically, so. her message was was very clear. It was, you know, hey, can you help?
2: I hadn't really had any contact with her, so I don't know who she was hanging out yeah. with or who, you know, what was going on.
0: This was in July of this year, of 2018.
2: The thing that hit me was, like, my daughter, like, didn't belong there.
0: So Carrie now lives in Tennessee, and once she reached out, it's, we started this series of email exchanges and phone calls, and I got to learn a lot more about her and her daughter. Lindsay's mom, Carrie, has been through a lot, but she is really dedicated to finding out what happened.
2: Well, it's a little bit cloudy because I wasn't, you know, my family protected me a lot, but... Yeah. but
0: You know, I asked her, you know, are you looking to get closure?
2: You no, know, it won't. It will make me," um, she
0: said. "It's not about closure. I don't uh, expect a to relief, get closure.
2: A sense of relief to know that that the person that killed Lindsay and Eddie Tate is behind bars. And like I said, I just want them to stay there for the rest of their life. And it will make me feel happy that that they aren't going to hurt anyone else. Because I'm sure that if they if they did that to Lindsay and Eddie Tate, maybe they've done. Maybe they've killed other people or hurt other people.
0: She wants the people responsible for this in jail.
2: There's no closure. She's not coming back. I'm never going to see her again. I'm never going to hug her again. So justice will not ever help that.
1: You mentioned now at the beginning you knew some things about Eddie Tate, but you didn't know things about Lindsay McCollum. What did you learn about her? That she lit up a room. She danced. She played
0: music. She was a piano player. She loved to read. But, but she lost her way. And um, drug addiction, heroin addiction specifically, was something that really overtook her life. Um, you know, but that, that wasn't all that she was. You know, she was a lot more... I'll just add one more thing for your question about Carrie. She started this summer offering a reward for information about her daughter's killer. Okay, it's Wednesday, July 25th, um, and I'm here with Eva. Um, so I went out with um, a family friend, somebody who who is very close friends with Lindsay.
1: Full name is Evangelina Salazar. I go by Eva. Um, I came to know Lindsay when she was 13 years old, she was dating my brother, Francisco, and since then, me and Lindsay remained closed up until her death.
0: And we hung the reward signs that Carrie had printed.
1: She suffered, and that's something that we can't take back and we can't change, but we definitely want justice for since it's the only thing that we can get at this point. The flyers went out this past summer, but Peter says so far it hasn't led to anything useful. And the cops? aren't saying much either. I did speak with a homicide detective,
0: uh, and this officer told me that these cases are really hard to investigate.
1: I've reported on alleged crimes in homeless encampments, for example, and I've talked to the police about how difficult it is to actually make any leeway on on the cases, and I hear the same things, that people don't want to talk. They don't want to rat out something that's happening within the encampment because these encampments are seen sometimes as little families, but also definitely as these communities where it's a different way of life and people respect a lot of the rules that are laid out on the street. So I'm, I guess I'm not surprised to hear that um, they're having difficulty in this case. But h- what, how difficult is it? Like, it must have started out at the top of a pile of cases. And at which point does it just become almost impossible to solve? So when I spoke uh, with a homicide detective at
0: SFPD, they didn't have a lot to share. One thing, though, I spoke with a retired police commander, Richard Correa is his name, and one of the things he said to me about investigating a serious crime like a homicide is that you could have a stack of files of of all the open cases, and when things break in a case, they'll move that, that file up to the top of the stack and you know detectives and police officers will be going after it but the further you go out from something when you don't have a big break or a lead and that file just makes its way down to the bottom of the pile
1: 16th and Shotwell is right in the center of the Mission District and I think when a lot of people in the Bay Area think of the Mission District they think about a lot of the Bay Area's issues playing out just in this one neighborhood homelessness, gentrification, housing crisis. And so it strikes me that there's a lot of attention on this neighborhood, but it's something like this can happen right in the middle of it all. And it can almost just disappear or there's nothing that comes of this.
0: Lindsay's mom, Carrie, she's holding out hope that even if it takes 20 years, as long as she's still alive, she's going to be on this. Um... I think I can't help but feel that if these people weren't homeless, that we'd be hearing a lot more about it.
1: Peter Arcuni is a reporter for KQED. We at the Bay have been looking back at some of the stories we've reported this past year in 2018, and we've produced a number of episodes about homelessness. This is clearly one of the major issues in the Bay Area right now, and it's not going away anytime soon. I'm gonna be tweeting out a thread with some of these stories, which range from conflicts within cities to new housing and policy decisions. If you want, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Radio Devon. That's it for The Bay. I will talk to you Friday.
0: Hi, I'm Tyler Foggett. Join me and my colleagues as we go beyond the headlines and deepen your understanding of the forces shaping our world today on The Political Scene, a newly updated podcast from The New Yorker. With episodes three times each week, The Political Scene accesses the sharpest minds in politics for insight and analysis about everything from abortion rights to the war in Ukraine. Make sure you're following The Political Scene, available now wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Brian Stelter, and I hope you'll join me on Inside the Hive from Vanity Fair.